And welcome everyone to an all new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I'm your host, Joel, and joining me is my trusty co-host, Matt. How you going, Joel? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, well, actually, or maybe I'm not. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of flying right now. I had, a, I had a tooth taken out today, one of, one of my back ones, so I am on a lot of good pain drugs right now. <laughs> And I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling fine. I think I I just took a bunch of the gauze out, and everything. Man, they they gave me two big needles to numb my face. It was it was pretty serious. Uh, I hate the dentist. Is oh I hate the dentist too, which is a vicious cycle because I hate the dentist, which means I don't go to the dentist, which means I need the dentist that much more. Yeah, yeah. I get the whole idea of like yeah, you gotta clean your teeth and everything in there. Mm. And then he, the the one thing that I fucking hate at the dentist is. That like pick thing. Oh god, yeah, the pick. Oh, is the I worst. hate that thing. They like shove it down into your gums and everything. It's it's oh. the worst. And you know, it's it's funny too, cause like I I need some serious work done. Like nothing in the front, cause you know people see my teeth and there's nothing wrong with the front. It's the back where I've got a bunch of cracks and a bunch of jacked up stuff that I've waited for way too long. And leave it to the dentist to be like, oh, you know, while you're here, we could take more x-rays and look at the other, yeah, other x-rays that are going to cost me 75 bucks a piece. I'm already paying 400 to get this tooth ripped out and get some artificial bone put in. You can leave it at that, doc. Yeah, Dentists, like, they charge, like, absolutely ridiculous amounts. Like, oh, you have a crack here that's got to cost you $1,500 to fix. It's and... it's such a sick racket, and it's like that everywhere all over the world. I'm sure Amer- our American fans are like, wait, 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 I thought Australian Canada had healthcare systems. We do, but they don't cover dental. Mine, ours does, but it only covers a certain amount. Up to a point, yeah. Yeah, so I think I can get, like, x-rays done, but yeah. then, like, if they need, like, a tooth pulled or mm-hmm. filled or something, it's going to cost me. A- anything cosmetic will cost you more, and there's a very, very particular criteria for what counts as cosmetic, and just, man, yeah. it's friggin', like, like I even searched up the thing there, it's like, well, what about people on welfare, do they get their stuff covered? Even if you're on, like, welfare, granted, we don't call it welfare in Canada, we call it, like, uh, occupational assistance or something, we're a kinder people with kinder names for our thing. <laughs> and it's it's basically just what you have in Australia. It's like we will cover X-rays, we will cover pullings and everything, but we will not cover uh, anything that is deemed to be cosmetic. And, and I mentioned the artificial bone thing because I plan to get an implant down the line. Is the thing I just don't want it sitting there. And they ba- they basically shoot you up with Wolverine shit, where it's like, yeah, we'll put a fake bone. In your tooth, and after two years, you can come and get a fake tooth put in, get like an actual implant. Guess how much the implant's going to run me? How much? $3,500. Fuck. Yeah. Now, they said you can pay that in on installments. You can pay that whenever you want, and when you get to 1700 you can come in, and, you know, we'll, we'll dress it up, and we'll add the first part of the uh, attachment, and then, you know, we'll add the other one. I'm like, Jesus Christ, for that money, I could buy a goddamn short, uh, a small car or put, like, a first payment down on a house for that amount of money. <laughs> what, what happens if, like, they, um... You don't pay up. Do they send like a loan shark around <laughs> to rip out your teeth? <laughs> repo Man. <laughs> man, dude, like Repo the Genetic Opera and Repo Man, those two movies. But in the future, that's what it's going to be, man. The dentist man comes <laughs> around and repossesses your teeth, jerk. Uh, that's great. Uh, friggin' tooth related woes. And it was either I could get this expensive, uh, expensive uh, implant. Or I could get a bridge for considerably cheaper. The only problem is, is that the two teeth next to the one I got pulled were absolutely fine. So I'd be doing damage to two good teeth to replace the one bad tooth. 
that, that's what they want you to do. So, oh, no, it looks like these other teeth are damaged. Gonna have to fix them. Yeah, gonna have to fix them up, too. And the hilarious thing is that the one I broke cracked and, like, waited too long to fix, the tooth directly across from it on the other side of my mouth, same problem. It's also cracked. <laughs> and I know, I almost wanted to say to him, like, look, so if I just wanted to get the other one fixed, how much would that cost? Because it's not nearly as far along, but I know in a couple years it will be. And I'm like, look, can you just can you just fix that up? And and this was interesting, too. This was the first time, you know, getting like a major uh, piece of surgery done to myself where I paid completely out of my own pocket for it, where it's like mm -hmm. before it's like, hey, mom, dad, can I have some money for tooth? But on this one, it's like, no, 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 I paid this one out of my own pocket. And never have I felt more like an adult than I did in that moment where I'm like, wow, I had a bunch of money at the beginning of the month and now it's all gone. That's that's how it goes. Oh, look, I've got so much money. Oh, it's gone all disappeared into my mouth and I'm like man now I understand why my dad was so surly all those years <laughs> hey, hey dad I got a field trip hey dad I need books for school hey dad I need this that and the other thing I'm like oh no wonder <laughs> uh, but yeah believe it or not we are a comic book show oh but shit I guess before I uh, go on there I talked forever about myself what have you been up to Matt anything interesting uh, not really I started back college and Wicked. having a lot of fun with that it's gonna get loads of stressful I found out but it's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> how's that how's Fortress of Solitude treating you that's uh, Matt's channel of course for those of you who still aren't subscribed you should go subscribe it's doing pretty well I've just started my new uh, video series Superman in media I'm on part two at the moment I'm doing part three at the moment um, editing that all up and everything, but there's two parts out already, and it's going to be about 11 parts, maybe 12. I'm not really too sure at the moment, but yeah, in that series, I'll just look at Superman and media in like movies, TV shows, animation, games, That's awesome. and stuff like that. And the first two parts are set back in the 40s, so like Ooh, when the Superman made. first first came apart and everything, and then I'll work our way up to the more recent Batman versus Superman. I'm, uh, I'm actually writing a paper right now. It's uh, it's not for me, but it's someone else who commissioned it on the history of Lex Luthor, and I'm just now going through all the Golden Age Lex Luthor stuff. Man, there's a lot of weirdness in the Golden Age. Like, Lex Luthor was a chubby, red-headed man who... He was Trump. <laughs> yeah, he was Trump. He lived in a flying city, and he tried to start a war between two European nations. <laughs> yep, yep, it's so good. I love, I love Golden Age Trump. Trump he, Luther. Trump Luther. He had bad hair, and he would claim that he would make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> and he hated illegal aliens. Oh, he did, man. From day one, Lex Luthor hated the aliens. <laughs> uh, <sighs> that's that's too funny. But, uh, yeah, that Superman thing, that's very apropos, because today, as we record this, Monday the 29th, uh, 2016, today's a very special day, Matt, isn't it? It is. It's Superman's 75th birthday today, which, goddamn, that's hard to believe that that character's been around for 75 years. It is. It's 1938. It's been a long time. Damn, man. That's 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 so crazy. And to think so much stuff has come and gone in between in those 75 years. I mean, Superman fought in World War II, for Christ's sake. Like, literally. He did. He did. He, fi he filmed the first atom explosion. It's true. I remember that. <laughs> Uh, for those interested, uh, I took part in a thing uh, over on the DC Fan Channel. Basically, it was a video birthday card to Superman. And it's funny, Matt, I recorded like a whole minute-long bit because they're like, oh, wish Superman a happy 75th birthday and talk about your favorite moment from Superman canon. So, of course, I pulled out my copy of Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman, and I talked about that great scene where he stops that woman from jumping. 
Yeah, that's a great scene. It's an excellent scene, and you know, I get all into it. I get all misty-eyed, and I say, you know, Superman, it's not his amazing powers that make him great. It's his amazing sense of compassion. And I really laid into it for this minute, and you know how much of it ended up in the video? <laughs> like a second? Five seconds. It's me pulling out the book and saying, and Grant Morrison... <laughs> all-star superman that's the bit that ended up in the video <laughs> I, oh, that's I, amazing. I pour my heart out and that's the five seconds they get in but at least i got a chance to talk because there were people in that video who only showed up like in the uh, in the montage segment and they didn't even get a chance to talk oh wow <laughs> so go see that video and like it and be sure to tell everyone how that five seconds of joel was your favorite moment <laughs> <laughs> just to mess with people like man did you see when joel pulled out that book how great was that oh my god he was the highlight of the video <laughs> he's an expert book puller you know what i think might have got them to cut me down to only five seconds what? Uh, I i'm sure you've seen the set where i film where it's like i've got my big newish universe marvel poster all my bust banks my game of thrones sword my Star Wars lightsaber and everything. I'm sure they looked at my wall and they're like, mm -mm -mm, too much Marvel on that wall. Not hey, enough he has something related to the competition on his wall. Uh-uh, we can't have that him. That counts as their sales and they're yeah. already beating us. Yeah, we're like, mm -mm, we can't have him here for longer than five seconds. We can have it any longer than five seconds and your brain will start to realize, hey, that's a cool Iron Man bust bang. Hey, that's a cool Marvel poster. Hey, doesn't Marvel and Disney <laughs> technically own Star Wars? Hey. Yeah, hey, don't they make movies and comics <laughs> we can't have that gotta shut him down after five seconds <laughs> mm. even though i'm wearing my superman shirt and i have like a superman bust bank off to the side but it's new 52 superman oh I, I gotta say, some of the people who were in the video longer, they had some pretty sick Superman collections. Like, one dude had a Superman shrine wall. Not unlike one I imagine you have in your place. Oh, I've got a pretty good one, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a decent shrine. I mean, it's easily top ten shrines. <laughs> top ten shrines in the world, gotta be. Gotta be. I, I mean, I couldn't give that award to myself. You listening would have to give that award to Matt. <laughs> Uh, and uh, speaking of Golden Age stuff, uh, our first news story this week actually does kind of relate to the Golden Age of comics, and that is Marvel is planning to bring back the Timely Comics imprint. For those of you who don't remember, Timely Comics was the precursor to modern-day Marvel Comics. Yeah, and it's a really cool idea. It's not like as if they're bringing that back as like a reboot or anything. Mm. It's coming as like a banner for their new books, which they'll be offering, I think they're like, what, two, three bucks? Uh, yeah. And, and you get the first three issues of yeah. that series. So like first three, Invincible Iron Man, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Captain America, all those sorts of things. It's a really cool idea. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting alternative for the people who wait for trades. And I know many of our fans and many of the people listening right now, they don't have enough money to buy comics every week the way they we do. So, you know, they have to think really hard on what trades they're going to get with this their turnaround is so much quicker so you know you can get two to three comics you know at a decent price yeah and again it like people might not know what to expect from it and don't want to shell out like i don't know like 3.99 for a single mm -hmm. comic you can pay the same price for like three comics and you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like Especially it, Especially like now, it. when so many of Marvel's biggest titles have gone bi-monthly. Mm-hmm, yep. It, it makes a lot of sense, which, yeah, I, which, I mean, we're going to have to have a bigger conversation about this at some point. I think after DC Rebirth, because they're doing the same thing. I, I got to say, the majority of these Marvel books that have gone bi-monthly, I think they're weaker for it, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think the writers have enough time to truly get into the story and to truly make them layered. I feel they have a full story, they have a full issue, then they cut it and stretch it to make the bi-monthly thing. I really do. That's true, yeah. And it also it also depends on the writer as well. That too. Some some are stronger than others, but I mean, I, I have to say, I think the bi-monthly schedule has not helped a lot of these books. But at least now, you can get, essentially, you can get a better feel of the story in this timely format. And I guess timely is a nice play on words, because you get the comics in a timely fashion, and timely was Marvel before Marvel. Yep. It's, nice... it's, it's great. Also, uh, I don't know if you read uh, uh, 1862 or whatever that Wild West Marvel thing was from Secret Wars, but the town in that series was literally called uh, Timely. Oh, that's cool. That, isn't, that was a nice play. I thought that was quite, uh, quite fun indeed. And uh, moving on from that piece of news to a piece of speculation, I think you and I talked about this before, but I can't remember if we brought it up on mic or not. But apparently uh, Bleeding Cool said it, and now all the other sites are picking up on it, and that is that Marguerite Bennett is rumored to be taking over Wonder Woman in DC Rebirth. I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy with it too. She's a great writer. She's kicking ass on the Wonder Woman character in Bombshells. Like that version of the character in Bombshells, easily my favorite version being written today. So I can see where they're like, hey, would you just like to write the main universe one? Yeah, I'd be all for that. Especially if it's sort of like a rebirth, mm-hmm. reboot sort of thing happening. For Wonder uh, Woman. Bring some yeah, fresh new eyes to the character. Here's my thing. If Wonder Woman is getting a big rebirth and they want to move everything around, can Wonder Woman fight some goddamn supervillains in her own book for a change? I'd like that. I would be happy with that instead of all the Greek god monsters from Tartarus. Like, it was fun. It had its run. But can we have a superhero Wonder Woman book now? We had Wonder Woman Warrior Princess. You know, we had Wonder Woman versus the Greek gods and Ray Harryhausen. Can she go back to fighting some supervillains, please? Yeah, like, bringing back, like, Cheetah and... Uh, Cheetah's in the universe, she's just in every book but Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That She's, like, one of Wonder Woman's actual supervillains, and she doesn't fight Wonder Woman. I know, it. she fights everybody else. She's on the Suicide Squad. Hell, uh, bring back Dr. Psycho, bring back Silver Swan and Genocide and all these other Wonder Woman villains, and I'm sure people are scratching their heads like, Wonder Woman villains? See, that's the problem. The writers recently, they've been <laughs> neglecting to tell you who Wonder Woman villains are. Yeah, it's just all been Greek god stuff, like Cirque and Strife and all that. You know, I, I really feel the Wonder Woman's rogues gallery would be more appreciated in this day and age had she gotten her own animated series in the same way Batman and Superman did. Yeah, I could, yeah, see that, yeah. Cause, like, I, I know her animated movie did pretty well. It was amazing. It's probably one of the best ones. Yeah. Because, like, cause like, here's the thing. We're still feeling the effects of the Timiverse, DC Animated Universe, Batman, Superman shows, even to this day. I mean, those were the shows that, you know, brought Two-Face and, you know, stuff back to prominence after not being, like, in the Adam West stuff, not being in Super Friends. Like, heck, they rewrote the book on Mr. Freeze and made him cool and interesting. Yeah, exactly. That show introduced Dark Side to a bunch of people who had never read comics before. Like those were the shows that let you know who the best villains were. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's it's sad that Wonder Woman never got the same treatment. Yeah, her show a show with her would have been really cool. I mean, if like Green Lantern can get his own show. I know, right? And the Green Lantern show was really good. It was. It was really good. Died before its time. Yeah, because of toy sales. Because of toy sales and because of the just general Cartoon Network DC action block, them not knowing what the fuck to do. 
<laughs> you know, I, I like everyone's, you know, pushing so hard now to bring Young Justice back for season three, and there's so much talk of people binge-watching Young Justice. I like nobody's talking about bringing back Green Lantern, even though it was on at the exact same time and was canceled at the exact same time. Yeah, it was such a good show. It was, it was like actual Green Lantern. It yeah, was. Space Cop Green Lantern. True. Now, I mean, like, I guess in people's defense... Young Justice started out as amazing and stayed amazing throughout its entire run. Green, Green Lantern got off to a shaky start, but I would say by the end was at least on par with some of the best stuff from Young Justice by the end. Like, by the end of that second yeah. season, they had built a universe and had created really interesting original characters, and it was sad they never got to keep going, especially when you find out what they had planned for season three had they got to do it. Yeah, it, it, I really wanted it to be, like, sort of maybe adapt them into the comic books somehow. Yeah, it sucks that Aya and Razor never made the jump. I mean, shit, there's, like, how many freaking throwaway extraneous Green Lantern characters you couldn't put Aya and Razor in the background just because? Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense. Like, oh, they were busy off protecting the sector, so you couldn't see them. And now they're here in the comic books. You know what that's going to be? When a whole generation of kids who grew up watching that show become writers, they're going to put those characters into the books. Yeah, probably. Like, like 20 years from now, when a new generation of writers come up who grew up on that show, they're going to put those characters in. <laughs> uh, and I guess moving on from there, hey, we got some uh, Netflix casting news, some pretty big Netflix casting news, too. We have our Iron Fist now, Matt. Yeah, we do. Terry Finn, who played Loris Tyrell, the gay flower knight from uh, Game of Thrones. God damn. He, he, Loris in the books is, is like a badass. Uh, he's he's like one of the char- he's like one of the characters who they like kind of fucked up for the show. I, he's pretty badass in like the show. I mean, probably not as badass in the book, but he's like the number one fighter on the team that he's on. Yeah, but he's like hardly ever in it. And if he That's is, true. he's busy, you know betting some guy or something he's usually post coitus with renly you're yeah. right we see more of his ass than we see of him fighting yeah uh but yeah i mean interesting choice for iron fist yeah. uh it makes me feel that they are going to be going in the more goofball kind of relatable danny rand uh, direction yeah and of course with this everyone is claiming marvel is racist yeah what a weird what what a weird like some like some outrages i can see coming from a mile away and like some things you know are going to be outrages when they do them i do not understand this iron fist outrage yeah just pick up a comic book you'll find out that he's white and also too like look i get what people are on about when it comes to the very very touchy subjects of cultural appropriation and the mighty whitey trope and all this other stuff but here's the thing guys that's that's the point of danny Rand. That yeah, plays, that's part of his story it plays in very deeply to his story it's the fact that he's not accepted by the guys at kunlun because he's white it's the fact that he's always surprising people with the fact that he's really good at martial arts. It's the fact that he's so born with a silver spoon up his ass that when he starts hanging out with Luke Cage and starts going to the bad neighborhoods, he basically becomes that guy from the Chappelle show sketch where he's like, oh, squalor in the inner city, what? Racism, what? I've never heard of these things. Yeah, and also there's the other side was like if they did cast like a martial arts expert like an asian martial mm. arts expert people would be calling racism as well it, it, it is oh, they, it's a you know it's a trope they're always playing martial arts experts like 
it is kind of one of those. You're da- it, yeah, you're right. It, it is. I think this is the ultimate. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. Because it's like, isn't it more stereotypical for an Asian guy who's really good at martial arts? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 very weird. And here's the other thing. Like, if you want a cool Marvel character who knows martial arts and is a badass and who will probably show up in Iron Fist, if not in the first season, maybe in season two and maybe in Defenders, uh, Shang Chi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, if you want that, just, just go read Shang-Chi, you know, friggin', uh, uh, what is it, try and get Marvel to do something with Shang-Chi if that's what you really want. I mean, it's not like there's a shortage of really good Asian characters in Marvel. I mean, heck, get them to do some more stuff with Amadeus Cho if you and, really yeah, want to. And it also looks like there's going to be some really prominent ones in Daredevil Season 2 as well. Yes, very much so, yeah. That's going to be freaking cool. Man, how, how cool was that second trailer for uh, for Daredevil? Oh, so cool. With Punisher and Elektra and everything. And oh my god, all the hand ninjas crawling up the side of the building. I'm like, I'm in. I'm so freaking in. Yeah, the, the Yakuza. Oh, it looks so good. It does look good. Uh, oh, a, a fan pointed this out to me, and I totally missed this, but that biker gang in that trailer, the Dogs of Hell, those were the guys from the S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. Those were the guys yeah. that Lorelai took. I totally missed that. Yeah, it's a, it's a different chapter, but it's the same... Uh... Same gang gang yeah yeah i thought that was really cool a nice little detail that is a nice detail and a nice touch and maybe that uh will help alleviate some rumors that the netflix guys and the tv guys don't get along yeah yeah but we can hold out hope now that maybe freaking colson will show up in defenders or something (laughs) (laughs) even just for a minute just be like hello i'm colson and then leave uh i i Oh, I don't know. They should reference it. I mean, like, oh, there's these superhero people in New York again. I wonder if they're in humans. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be cool. I would very, very much like this. So, yeah, we, we have our Iron Fist now. We officially have our full team for Defenders when that eventually happens. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when it's going to happen. It was meant to happen in, like, what, 2018 or something? 2017? Something like we still got a lot of shows left to cover. We got yeah. Daredevil Season 2 that's coming out. We still got Luke Cage. And we still got Iron Fist to deal with in the meantime. And that's only, you know, 13 episodes apiece. So that's only like 13 hours, give or take, of television for all of these yeah. we're going to have to deal with. Yeah. O- only 13 Only hours. Only 13 hours. I mean, who doesn't have 13 hours to give to a show to completely binge watch it for work and everything? <laughs> Like, heck, I'm, I was sitting there tonight on the Netflix, and I'm like, ooh, I should, you know, pick out some uh, some choice episodes of Daredevil, like some of my favorites. Like, ooh, I should watch the first Stick episode, and I should watch, you know, the Wilson Fisk flashback episode. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I, I don't want to sit down and watch the whole show just yet, because that's a lot of time and effort I'm going to have to put in. Not that I wouldn't do it, because it's really good. It's just a lot of time I'd have to put in. I, I'm rewatching the show at the moment. I'm going to try, I'm trying to do, like, one episode... A day, and there's 13 episodes, so there's 13 days. It's the 1st of March here, so it'll cool. roughly work out to when Daredevil comes out. Yeah, and then when I was done, I'm like, oh, well, then I guess I'll have to go watch all of Jessica Jones, because I like every episode of Jessica Jones. That's such a good show. It is. I guess we never had this conversation in full, but uh, honestly, the way I felt it, and I'm sure I've said it other places, I think Jessica Jones, in terms of pacing, was better paced than Daredevil Season 1. If they can take the pacing yeah. of Jessica Jones and put it into Daredevil Season 2, I think we'll be set. Yeah, but also you got to remember that they're both two different kinds of genre, whereas like Daredevil's like a crime noir sort of thing, whereas Jessica Jones is like a thriller, yeah, it's a and thriller. it's a really intense build-up, and it's all about the build-up. For sure. 
It's just, you know, the way I looked at it, Jessica Jones worked better episodically, where Daredevil, yeah. it's basically like, okay, you're watching one long movie now. Yep. And you got to watch one right after another after another, which was no problem because it was fun. But it's just, you know, I like a show with good bookends where it's like, OK, I can go to bed for tonight and not feel like I missed anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's cool. That's cool for Iron Fist. I can't wait to see what's happening there. Uh, really, really love that he's getting a TV show. And I really love that new uh, Power Man and Iron Fist comic. That uh, that comic is really great for those who uh, haven't read it yet. You should. Cool. Cool. Oh, another piece of news, and I'm sure we'll have words for this. Uh, earlier this week, it dropped that uh, there shall be an R-rated cut of Batman v Superman. No. Yeah. No. Just, I was going to throw it over to you, Matt, and be like, hey, Matt, what do you think? And you answered it in one word. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You know, a, a, an announcement that is in no way Warner Brothers and DC attempting to catch up to the success of a Fox movie. Yes, I, yeah, I wonder why they decided to, you know, suddenly do this. Like, here's the thing. I don't doubt for a second that they, that they want, that at least Snyder wanted an R-rated cut. Like, I do not deny Oh, yeah, oh, of course. Oh, it'd be so fucking cool, like, man. I, like, I'm sure they filmed one. I'm sure that's what he really wants. Because like you said, bro, it'll be so fucking cool, bro, is what it'll be. But the fact for them to start trumpeting it like, no, the R-rated version is the real version. It's the definitive yeah, version. Exactly. And like, no, you, R-rated Superman is not a definitive Superman. It seems icky to me, is what it seems yeah. like. And I'm sure a lot of our younger fans are like, no, man, you don't understand. This is going to be the coolest thing ever. There's plenty of R-rated comic stories. You know, you, you guys all need to grow up. To which I say, yes, there are a lot of R-rated comic book stories, but I wouldn't call Superman or anything no. with him an R-rated story. Well, I try. I like like one of the one. Some guy said that to me, and I said, "Well, name me four Superman stories that warrant an R rating." And Dark Knight Returns, could. and that's about it. Yeah, he couldn't. <laughs> okay, and, but here's the thing about Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. Watchmen 300, and ironically, Watchmen and 300 were both ones helmed by Snyder, who is also helming this. Part of, you know, what made those stories so cool and so interesting and why they stood the test of time is that they're really deconstructions of the superhero genre and what happens when you put real-world ultraviolence into these yeah. colorful superhero worlds. And the moral of those, both, you know, Watchmen and... Uh, Dark Knight Returns is wow. This this is bad. This is horrible. <laughs> we shouldn't do this. This is fucked up and wrong. Yeah, and that's like the complete opposite of what you want in a Superman film. Yeah, isn't this so twisted and wrong? And I totally feel, and I know a lot of people have mentioned this, that that's what they kind of feel Snyder missed when he did the Watchmen movie. Like when he did all the action scenes in that movie, it was like, dude, isn't this cool? Isn't this freaking awesome? Look how they hit each other. Isn't it great? Where, meanwhile, when you read the book, it's like, oh, these heroes are getting really into beating these guys up. Like, they are getting sexually aroused by breaking yeah. people's bones. Yeah, nothing, none of that really played into the movie. The, I like Watchmen. I, 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 I do, too. Really I, especially, I like the ultimate cut. Oh, the ultimate cut is the best one. I, I will only watch the ultimate cut. That's the best one. Yeah, but like as you say, you kind of missed that whole thing was that they were actually – like enjoying it and everything, and that's like the fucked up part about Moore it. Moore was making a commentary on what sort of messed up, sick in the head person would want to go out in a tight leather costume and beat people up every night. 
Yeah, you'd have to be insane. Or have a real sadist streak in you, in which case yeah. you probably shouldn't be a role model and probably shouldn't be someone to be looked up to. Mm-hmm, yep. I, I know Dan Slott was catching hell on Twitter for this, and you even commented. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he I, was. I guess tonight on tonight, Supergirl, she had a whole big, you know, talk of what's or a whole big discussion about I don't kill, and then that show was followed by a trailer for Batman v Superman, where Superman <laughs> basically says to Batman, "I'll kill you if I have to." <laughs> yeah, and he he made a good he made a good comment, which is exactly what I felt. Where it's like it's not it's not that the point of like he said if it's the point that he said it. Like Superman wouldn't say that. Not only he wouldn't say super... if I I could kill you. Not only is a super or is Superman a character who doesn't make threats. He's a character who shouldn't ever have to make threats because he's know, Superman yeah. and because <laughs> everyone knows you can't take him. Yeah. He's. I mean, come on. He's a guy who wears his red underwear on the outside, and no one makes fun of him about it because he could like <laughs> melt them with his heat vision or spin really hard and turn time back. <laughs> uh. Th- those red pants might as well have a sign on it that says come at me bro i dare you <laughs> and no one dares uh. you know you're a badass motherfucker when you wear your underwear on the outside and no one calls you on it <laughs> you know I- i've been thinking and i might actually do it now i think i should do a piece on superman's red underwear why it's important and be like you know take back the underwear i think we talked about this last week didn't we yeah, and I'll talk about it this week because it involves one of the books I read this week. Oh, awesome. Oh, I think I know exactly the book you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from one DC-related story to another, and I swear up and down that they did not pay me for this plug, but if they want to pay me for this plug, please, by all means, do, although you might not want to by the time I'm done with it. Uh, DC All Access uh, released a new app this week. Okay, what is it? Okay, so I signed this one up right away because our mutual friend Comic Uno had signed up for it and was saying, hey, everyone, follow me on here. And I'm like, ooh, DC has an app. I'll get an app. I, I, I have a new pad now. I'm signing up for all the apps all over the place. <laughs> and you ask me what it is, Matt, and the answer is I don't really know. So so is it like sort of like their own Twitter like where it just collects all the people that have signed up for That's it. That's one aspect of it. Yes, there's like there's a Twitter esque function where you can follow people and people can follow you. There's a news feed which is just news from DC All Access and just videos from DC All Access. Oh, okay. Which I'm not going to complain about because DC Fan YouTube is in there as well. So when I'm in stuff, it shows up on there. So I'm like, woohoo, me. <laughs> because <laughs> Joel is a fucking narcissist you need to understand and Joel, and Joel loves it when Joel shows up in things and then yeah like you, you can like tweet stuff and people can favorite it and like you can put pictures from your favorite comics in there and I think you also gain points in it too because it's also like a Facebook game somehow I, I don't know how you get points but you can get points somehow <laughs> and then uh, I think, and I know I don't think it's been I don't think it's been implemented yet. But there's also a comic reader in the app, but it's not working yet. I think the end goal for this is eventually to you know give like Marvel Unlimited a run for its money. Okay, so they released an app that's not finished. It's like if you put together all the aspects of Instagram and Twitter, and like DC All Access YouTube. And I guess articles. Do they have a website? I think they have a website now because there's articles in there. And you put that all together in one app, and that's basically what the DC All Access app is. Oh, okay then. 
I imagine I'll forget that it's on my pad soon enough. But if you want to, <laughs> but if you want to follow me on the DC All Access app, if you have it, please by all means go ahead. I will probably post the same pictures there that I post on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, go, go do that if you want. And uh, and oh shit, we totally got ahead of ourselves. I just realized the last story I put here was Daredevil season two trailer, but we already talked about that. Yeah, it was a cool trailer. It was it was a cool trailer. Ninjas, man, friggin' ninjas. Yeah. Do, do you worry that, you know, they'll be able to balance uh, the stuff with the Punisher and the stuff with the ninjas? Because I'm like, oh, man, this is this is a lot going in here. I, I think they will. I, well, I think, like, eventually, maybe, like, quarter way through the series, Punisher is going to come in and, like, find out about these ninjas and be like, oh, well, they're bad people. I'm going to blow them away. My, uh, my theory was, like, the first half of the show will be Matt Murdock dealing with the Punisher then Elektra comes into his life, and I feel probably for the final episode, Punisher, Daredevil, and Elektra will all need to team up and all together fight uh, the hand at the end. Yeah, because yeah, because like a big part of that second trailer was Elektra arriving at Matt's place mm-hmm. and sort of asking him for help to, I guess, deal with the hand or the Yakuza or someone. Because apparently they didn't go away when Wilson Fisk got put away. Right. They've sort of. Gained power, gained his power, I guess. Yeah, they're uh, they're taking over. I know. I, I I read because there's some early reviews out that we're actually going to be seeing a bunch of new uh, criminal organizations in the show: the cartel, the Irish mafia, the bikers that we saw before. Oh, I wonder if we'll see the Magia. Magia. Oh, that would be so. I keep waiting for them to say Magia. I think that would be so cool that they work them in. So I think they've been teased in um, uh, Agent Carter. That's right. That well, because Silvio Manfredi. Yeah. The guy who is uh, Whitney's uh, boyfriend slash little helper and everything is a guy from the comic Silvio Manfredi. Uh, n- not quite Silvio Silvermane, because I think uh, I think Silvio Silvermane is still tied up in Spider-Man, so I don't think they can use him. Yeah, they probably can't. Can, uh, Sony probably wouldn't allow it. Can they use Hammerhead? Where, where did Hammerhead premiere? Because I would really love to see a Maja headed by Hammerhead. That would be pretty cool. That would I, be... I don't know. I'm, I'm looking up. Let's see. Let, let's look it up together, fans. Hey, all you people out there in the comic multiverse universe, you can go on your Wikipedia and you can look alongside Matt and me to see when Hammerhead premiered. His uh, first appearance was in The Amazing Spider-Man. Ah, crap. So he's rolled up into Spider-Man then. Shit, son. Yeah, we could we could see someone similar. I don't, I don't know who... I was gonna say let, let, let's look at the Magia for uh, for important members and see anyone who could read. There's Silvermane, which again is rolled up in Spider-Man, so they couldn't have him. Hammerhead family again rolled up. Oh, there's the Nefaria family led by Count Nefario, which is of course uh, Madame Mask's father. I think. I think that was the relation. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too up on all my Spider-Man villains. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see Count Nefaria because I think he's one of those really cool characters who they could use well. But I get the feeling that he's probably earmarked for something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I could see him yeah. being a villain there. Like, Madame Mask is a part of it, so she could always sort of set it up and everything. That too. She, since Whitney uh, Frost is in the show. Then uh, then there's the Costa family, who is, of course, uh, mobsters that the Punisher was always fighting and killing. Those are the guys that uh, Billy the Butte wrote Russo, uh, a.k.a. Jigsaw. He was like an enforcer and hitman for them, so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw the Costas show up. That, that, that actually makes sense, seeing as that Punisher's in the show. Someone from his side of, like, the world might appear. 
Mm -hmm. I, I I would like to see the Nucci's show up is what I would like. No, you know, save the Nucci's for a Punisher show because the Nucci's are a, are a Garth Ennis creation. So save them and save Ma Nucci for the eventual Punisher show that you friggin' know is coming. I just think they should use them or for the Punisher show, someone like Barracuda. Oh, Bar oh, oh God, yeah. We're, we're going to get Barracuda. We're going to get Bushwhacker. We'll get all those one-off Punisher villains. We'll probably shit. We'll probably get General Kreekoff and the Russian and all those guys from the Garth Ennis run who who he killed, who were introduced and then swiftly killed. <laughs> you, think, you think Barracuda was gonna dig up Frank's dead wife and son? Uh, Barracuda didn't do that. I think that was a guy from the Costa family who did that. But yes, was I, it? yeah, it was actually. Oh, okay. I thought I just thought Barracuda did that. Barracuda came later, but Barracuda is a great villain. Barracuda, if you play him right, could be Punisher's uh, could be Punisher's freaking uh, freaking bullseye if they play it right. Yeah. Barracuda is basically anti Frank Castle. He is the inverse of the Punisher. Bizarro Frank Castle. He he totally is because it's like you know where Frank is really serious and really sullen all the time. Barracuda is always happy. He's always singing and always having a good time. Yeah, and that makes him even, like, creepier. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, where Frank is like, you know, oh, my body is a temple and everything. Barracuda's like, let's fucking do drugs. <laughs> I fought Eminem one time. No, really, he did, actually. Oh, God, don't bring that up. Barracuda was the villain of the Punisher-Eminem crossover. And you know how they <laughs> explain why Barracuda has a bone to pick with Eminem? How? Well, you see, before becoming a mercenary and supervillain, I was in the rap game for a bit. <laughs> to, to where I'm like, why? Because he's black? <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> uh... And the book's like, no, maybe. Look over there. Yeah, look, it's Eminem. <laughs> the, the irony is, is that Barracuda is probably the most out of character in that crossover. Like, he takes Eminem hostage and everything. Like, dude, friggin', if Garth Ennis was writing this... He'd just shoot him. Dude, dude, he would shoot him, and then he'd eat Eminem, is what he would do. <laughs> oh, yeah, Barracuda's a cannibal, too. Did I fail to mention that? Barracuda eats people. Oh, that'd be great if they have that in the show. It's like, he doesn't eat people all the time. He's just like, I just eat people for fun, motherfucker. <laughs> You know, when I was stationed over in Africa to gain the respect of this tribal chieftain, you know, all the other boys in my Green Beret uh, unit, they didn't want to eat the human stew. I ate the human stew. I didn't care. Taste like chicken. <laughs> I'm like, you, th you think I'm joking, everyone? And you think, like, I'm exaggerating for comedic effect? N no, that's literally a story Barracuda tells in, yeah. in Max. That's a story he tells. <laughs> Barracuda got his own miniseries, too. He got, like, a five-part yeah. miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, like it's hard to read because it's like, wow, you wrote a book about a truly irredeemable human being. Yeah, there's nothing irredeemable about him. He's just a big shithead. Yeah, pretty much. Like, this guy is evil in every sense of the word. Like, Frank Castle, the Punisher, does some horrible things. But, you know, there's moments where you see the goodness inside him. There's no goodness in Barracuda. There's, like, zero. Yep. Like, I, I would compare reading that to, like, reading Irredeemable Ant-Man, where it's like, wow, you are actually the worst. <laughs> I can see why you're irredeemable. <laughs> there is nothing good about you. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I guess that'll do it for uh, what we read this week and for general discussion topics. I guess we can get into uh, to what we read, and I'll, uh, I'll let you go first, Matt. Alrighty, what did I read? I had a big Superman week this it week. It was I had, like, a big Superman week Four this or week. five Superman books this week. And I, and I read a couple. I read a few more than I thought I was going to. 
Yeah, the first one I read was Superman Coming of the Supermen, yes. issue one. What a weird first issue this was. I did not know what to think going into it, and after reading it, I still don't know what to think. This was amazing. This was Neil Adams back at Superman. He hasn't written Superman since Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Wow, that's like So a that's going lot. back a while. That's like a 40-year gap or something. <laughs> Yeah, and it feels like he's never left because this this feels like the old you know seventy seventies eighties oh, Superman, yes. but it's also updated new because they bring in stuff like Twitter and Instagram, and his art really lends to that as well because yeah. we also have Lois and Clark not working at the Daily Planet; they're working at WGBS, I think. It's yeah, called. Lois is a newswoman. Yeah, that, this is something that happened in in the comics. Oh, did it? Uh, was that a thing? She, yeah, she became a newswoman, and Clark became the foreign correspondent, which is how he sort of was able to be Superman as well, mm, because he'd be oh, he's off investigating something in the Middle East or something. Yeah, and yeah, this book has to do with these three Supermen coming to Earth. We don't know where they're from, or like what their, their whole is. thing, but I think they're there to basically look after Earth while Superman is gone. Yeah, and there's and you know there, there's a redheaded one and a black guy and a whole bunch of Superman. Yeah, and they I I think they're from the future. Mm, that's because they've they, pulled they, that story before. Yeah, and they sort of look like they look up to Superman as like this big mythical legendary character. So maybe they are from the future, or maybe they're from Candor or something. Mm, that'd be interesting. I'm not actually too sure. I, I remember hearing something about Candor, but it could. Could have been something else. They also, like, you know, fight a bunch of parademons and Calabac, and there's this whole weird time travel thing where you find yeah. out Darkseid built the Sphinx, and I'm like, yep, this is an old-timey Superman story. Darkseid's father built the Sphinx. Oh, thing. yes. And, um, yeah, and we got Trump Luthor. Trump Luthor, he's so Trump. He's just trumping it all over the place. Yeah, it's so good. It was, it was great, and I'm glad Neil Adams is back as Superman. I, I'd love for him to, like, just become... The ongoing Superman writer again. You, you see, for me, like I respected it, but at the same time, I'm like, this is so weird for me. This That's is... why I like it. It's so good. It's classic, you know, golden silver age Superman. It's, it's like you know how people say they don't make them like this anymore. They don't write them like this anymore. That's literally what this book is. They don't yep. write them like this anymore. <laughs> yep. And Superman's got his underwear back. Yes, yes. Finally, a book where he is just shamelessly wearing that underwear on the outside again. And not only and that, cool. but other guys are wearing it on the outside too. Yeah, and I said it in my review, and uh, it's the old costume, but it, it it's sort of updated as well. It's got like heavy black lines on it. It's a little it's got armory this... in parts. Yeah, it's got this like really cool belt thing happening. It's a nice the split the difference between old and new. Yeah, I'm like, like, why isn't this costume the new 52 costume? If, if that became his new costume in Rebirth, I would be totally fine with that. And, and again, too, if people are wondering, well, where does Rise of the Superman, you know, uh, sit in in terms of continuity? It doesn't. It's not in. It's not in continuity. It's, and it, the way people, I tell people this: the way you can tell something is in continu not in continuity, it doesn't have the new 52 on it. Uh, oh, but it doesn't they, have that that the new 52 exclamation part. But, but they took the new 52 away, though. It's not on the books anymore. Really, it's on. It's on a on a couple of I got this week. Oh, is it really? Well, maybe they're playing fast and loose with which ones it's on and which ones. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's it's going to be gone soon. It's going to be replaced by Rebirth, I tell you. Yeah, but like as we said, like I think last week or the week before, they should do like that the whole colored diamond thing, whereas this is not in continuity, but this is. Mm -hmm. Make it like a ski slope. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the comic multiverse scale. That's your TCM scale. <laughs> Maybe I should do that in my reviews. I actually thought about doing that, like putting like a little thing down the bottom, say this is in New Fifty Two continuity. Might be good. You could be the first man. You could be a friggin' trailblazer on that. Oh yeah, I'll like look it up and I'll find there's been like a channel who's been doing it for like <laughs> ten years or something. Look, it doesn't matter who did it first, Matt. It only matters who does it better. <laughs> there were plenty of bands called Kiss before Kiss, man. <laughs> Just have to do it better than anyone else, man. <laughs> <laughs> but by that logic, theft is totally okay. <laughs> Uh, what uh, what did I have this week? Uh, oh, uh, Aquaman was back this week under Dan Abnett. Ooh, and how was that? It was good. It was good. It's fu- it's funny that I assumed that they were just gonna you know wring their hand completely of everything that happened in the Bun Run. Uh, they didn't. The deal is is that Aquaman and Mira are on vacation in Amnesty Bay following the Thule stuff, and they're basically just sitting around like at the that scene in Anchorman, and they're like, wow, that really got out of hand, didn't it? Yeah, the, that went nuts for like, a, <laughs> for like a couple months. What was up with that? I don't know. I was wearing a stupid shirt. I let my hair grow long. Uh, I like when books are self-aware. What a ridiculous time. Let's never talk about it. I agree, Mira. Let's never talk about that again. <laughs> uh, and then they get invited to the, uh, to the Amnesty Bay Sea Festival, and uh, Aquaman's like, you know, more than us should just go. We should try and make, like, an actual effort to bring more Atlanteans into regular society besides just us. So we're basically seeing the rebuilding of the Aquaman family. So Garth, a.k.a. Tempest, a.k.a. Aqualad, whatever you want to call him, he comes along for the ride. So does Tula, and so does Merc. Oh, that's cool. And they're just hanging out at the Sea Festival and having a good time. And Aquaman says, you know what? I'm at a point in my life now I have some perspective. I can't keep trying to do it all. I can't keep trying to be a king, a politician, an ambassador, and a superhero at the same time. It's going to kill me. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Tell you what, Mira, you do the ambassador thing. Now you go to the United Nations and you get Atlantis recognized as a sovereign nation. Tula, you're of royal blood, so you can be queen regent, and I'm going to concentrate on being Aquaman right now. That's cool. It is cool. I'm like, you know, that's a very adult, very mature thing for you to do, Aquaman. This is the sort of shit that, like, other heroes should learn to do but never will. Yeah, that, that's really cool. To just, like, put your shit in order like that. I, I respect that about him. I respect that a lot. I hope that keeps over into into Rebirth and everything. Yeah, I hope so, too. That sounds pretty cool. Because if it does, I might actually pick up Aquaman. Here's the best thing. Like, if you're afraid to pick up Aquaman because you're not sure, this is the issue to do it. It's a total perfect time. Perfect jumping on point, issue 49. (laughs) Also, Mira, too, in her role as being an ambassador, she's like, well, we're going to have to do some brand recognition is what we're going to have to do. I'm going to have to push the Aquaman brand. So she basically gets an Aqua Woman costume, a costume that looks like his but different. Is it the green one? Does she have the green one back that she usually wears? No, no. She hers is orange and green now, like his. It 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 totally looks like the Aqua Woman from Multiversity, is what it looks like. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm like, that's a cool costume. You know, you wear it well, even though I think there's nothing wrong with your other costume. It's not like she's running around calling herself Aqua Woman now. She's just wearing the costume to be like, yes, I am. You know, I am the hand of Aquaman Arthur Curry in this situation. Oh, that's cool. It's an interesting idea. It's a very interesting idea. I'm uh, I'm nice. excited to see where that book goes now that it's readable again. Cool, cool. Uh, uh, I had Superman Wonder Woman issue 26. Ah, uh, right. That book, not long for this world now that we know it's basically getting replaced for Trinity. 
Yeah, and in this book, they did some really cool stuff, but also they introduced new characters this late oh, in the game. Oh, I wonder those if they're going to stick around. Uh, probably not. Those two new characters were the Wonder Twins. Oh, like friggin' like Super Friend Wonder Twins. Like, yep. do they do they wear the same costumes? Do they have the same powers? They have the same costumes. They have the same powers. The only difference is they're two of Mandel Savage's children. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and he, he has them. People are telling me they're not, but you look at their costumes, they're exactly the same as the old school Wonder Twins costumes. They've got the, the whole triangle thing on their chest. They're the same colors. They're a boy and a girl. They talk in unison. Holy they're shit. the Wonder Twins. As, as long as that stupid monkey doesn't come along, it's all fine. <laughs> he's not the way. He's um, Vandal Savage's brother. And <laughs> well, he is a caveman, and we are evolved from monkeys, so for all we know. Um, but yeah, this was a pretty cool comic. It's uh, we now understand what Vandal's plan is, and his plan was to disperse that shadow goo across the earth. Not the goo. And he's pulling. He's using Superman's power uh-huh. and the Justice League power, as well as he last issue of I think Superman forty eight. He ripped up the Fortress of Solitude. And he's using the power in that from a Phantom Zone generator, I think, to pull the comet that made him immortal to Earth. Ah, and it acts right. as sort of like a Terrigen crystal and activates all these people's powers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they come and, yeah, the ship crashes on Superman. Damn. And, yeah, it was a pretty cool issue. Again, I don't know why they're introducing the Wonder Twins like this late in the game when it's not really going to matter anymore. That that feels like team. that feels like the book's getting cancelled anyway, so we can do whatever the hell we want. What's something we could never get away with if the book wasn't getting cancelled? Oh, I know, we'll introduce the Wonder Twins. Yeah, it, we're never going to see them again outside of this story arc, so yeah. So let their powers activate. <laughs> Let their powers freaking activate until it's over. <laughs> so what did you have? Uh, let, let me go back to the pile here. Uh, oh, uh, Justice League number 48, Dark Side War Part 8, Act 3, Return of the King, and Attack <laughs> of the Clones at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I made sure to read this one. You did. What did you think of it? It was okay. It was cool. It was mostly an action-centric issue. It was ba- ne- yeah. Never has a superhero comic felt more like a wrestling match to me. Because <laughs> it's literally just heroes tagging in other heroes. Where it's like, oh, it's the it's the Justice League versus Mobius the Anti-Monitor. Oh, and Hal Jordan tags in the entire Green Lantern Corps. Oh, well, they got broken up. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. The, the one thing I really liked was... um. The part where, like, Superman, now that he's, like, basically a god, he mm. obviously kryptonite doesn't affect doesn't him, and he's, like, anymore. holding it in front of Ultraman, and Ultraman, because he hasn't had his kryptonite crack. He's, he's fiend, and he's a junkie. Yeah, yeah, he's, like, he's, he's, he's on, he's, like, I need to crack, I need to crack. G- 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 give it to me, Superman. I- I'll do anything, Mr. Superman. I'll suck your dick for some kryptonite. <laughs> Come on, if that panel had gone on for another couple seconds, that's where it would have gone. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And Alman's like, compose yourself. You're not sucking dick for kryptonite again. <laughs> yeah, not again. <laughs> not on this world. Uh, th- there's some cool characterization going on with the crime syndicate. I like how they're like, okay, we'll join you, Justice League, in this fight, but we're not going to help anybody. This is all about revenge for us in our world. Yeah, we just want to kill Anti-Monitor because he killed our world. Yeah, so, like, people are getting hurt all around them, and the Justice League is scrambling to try and save them, and the crime syndicate's like, not our problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck you. And... <laughs> ain't, ain't no one got time for that. Yeah. 
It was great. And then I guess Superwoman had her baby. Yeah, right there on the back. Was having her baby or something. But you got to figure it's her baby she had with the Lex Luthor of her world, who was also the Shazam of her world. So that baby has got to be unto a god, right? Yeah, oh, he's going to be pretty powerful. You would assume. And then you got to figure, well, what's going to happen with that? Because it feels like they're culling the the crime syndicate characters, which I guess makes sense because they don't have a world to go back to. Yeah, I, I can't see them, or at least any of them, any of them who isn't the Jessica Cruz Green Lantern getting out alive. I it's think true. all of them are probably going to die. That being said, it was interesting that freaking Owlman hung out for as long as he did. Yeah. That he was running around free when everyone else was locked up. I kept thinking, are they going to try and do like an Owlman series where it's like, hey, what was he doing during this time? Yeah, I wouldn't like to know what he was doing. Is he just sitting... In the back alley somewhere. Because they straight up implied in an earlier issue that Owlman and uh, Lex Luthor were totally hanging out and totally working on shit together. Yeah, like, where is their Lex Luthor and everything? And Well, not that they ever discussed I... it again, because when Lex yeah. Luthor comes back... When Lex Luthor gets the hot tag and comes off the ropes <laughs> with his Omega powers and his <laughs> and his friggin' Parademon army, and that's the stinger at the end where basically Lex Luthor does a fucking run-in on the on the anti-mar... He's about to get the three count on Ultraman, but oh, it's, it's friggin' Lex Luthor. <laughs> that's the and... whole comic. Yeah, yeah. And I love, too, they keep trying to say, oh, no, but Grail and Steve Trevor are important. I'm like, I don't think they are. (laughs) No, they're not. It's just like, oh, no, Steve got kidnapped everyone off the battlefield. Don't you feel really bad for Steve? No. It's like he was in, like, not last last month, but the month before that, some Superman issue, and he helped Superman get his powers back with the kryptonite, and then he just disappeared. I love. And I'm like, well, why didn't you come help with Vandal Savage? Oh, I'm more important over here. I love in this corner. I love that every moment when Steve, you know, could be useful or could be helpful, he just trips over his goddamn feet every time. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, like for forever evil. Oh, I'm gonna be big. Oh no, Batman. He, he stole literally my tripped in that story. He literally tripped at the moment <laughs> he was supposed to be in port. He's like, oh, I, I fought Cheetah and I got back the uh, the, the golden lasso. We can save the team. Oh no, I fell. Batman's like, mm, I don't trust you anymore, Steve. I'm gonna take that and do this for you. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go guard the president. He literally got hero cock blocked in that. <laughs> and even in this now he gets kidnapped from the battlefield and nobody cares <laughs> because, yeah because yeah. why should they no character has had less impact on the tc universe than steve trevor has <laughs> and yet who always sticks around for whatever reason yeah he's just there he's like hey guys remember I, me I, I, I can be pretty too i can help <laughs> Are, aren't i good someone tell me i'm good diana tell me i'm good and diana's just like yeah you know Oh no, Ares is destroying a city, I gotta go. You gotta go now. When the going gets tough, Steve Trevor gets go. No, really, he gets going as in gone. <laughs> like he goes to his summer house in Malibu and hangs out there under the covers until everything's blown over. <laughs> Man, it's gonna be so interesting after uh, Suicide Squad, if that movie does really good, if they want to put Rick Flagg back in the comics, because the only thing they really did for Steve Trevor is they gave him Rick Flagg's job. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious if like steve trevor turns out and he like rips off a mask i'm really rick flag that would be the steve great... trevor has been dead all this time that would be the greatest <laughs> friggin twist ever he's like yeah i stole the name of this world war ii era pilot 
<laughs> just to make it a continuity thing. It's actually been me, Rick Flag Jr., and I've really been doing a secret, like, you know, undercover Justice League thing for Amanda Waller. That would be goddamn amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, a more would... characterization to Steve Trevor. <laughs> for real, man. Like, that, I'm so down for all of that. Uh, that would be amazing. Please do that, because Lord knows he's not doing anything. There was a second there during Forever Evil when it looked like they were going to try and launch an Agents of Argus book, and they're like, oh, yeah, this ain't cool. <laughs> and Argus seems even lamer now, because Maxwell, Lord, and uh, Checkmate are now back in Grayson. Oh, really? Yeah, Maxwell Lord is assisting Grayson in taking down Spiral and Shade and all these other super spy agencies because he says, yeah, when it's all said and done, I want Checkmate to be the only spy agency in the entire DC universe. And I'm like, good, do it. (laughs) Totally do it. I I want Checkmate back. I always thought Argus was lame. Yeah. I thought thought Argus was such a poor man's uh, shield. Yeah, yeah, like, true. Like, even down to the abbreviation, I thought Argus was a totally lame DC. Like, oh, we need our own shield. I'm like, but you have your own interesting spy organizations. Yeah, but we need something more recognizable. Mm-hmm. Like, Checkmate is cool because they had their own rules and everything where it's like, okay, we have the black set and the white set, you know, like actual chess pieces, and, you know, every superpowered person has to be partnered up with an unsuperpowered person. Yeah, that was awesome. That that actually was in Smallville as well when yeah. they brought in Checkmate. Every every they had like their Suicide Squad and they had like Rick Flag on it to mm-hmm. look after them and everything. And, it was yeah. a cool, interesting setup. And uh, hey, DC Rebirth, if you're all about honoring history and everything, honor that Checkmate was your friggin' spy group, <laughs> and it's the one people liked. You should do it. I mean, well, hell, I already started talking about Grayson, so I might as well finish talking about Grayson. The other interesting thing about that issue. Also, because this is a book that's coming to the end, so I'm sure the writers feel like they can get away with anything they want. Guess what this issue was loaded with? What? Wildstorm characters. Oh, really? Yeah. Friggin' Dick Grayson fights Grifter in this issue, and Grifter asks help from Tau, the tactical uh, alignment organism or whatever, to basically profile him. And I'm like, wow, this comic has had more Wildstorm characters in it than any DC comic over the last three years has. What's Grifter been up to since uh, Future's End? Uh, he's still working for King Faraday. And, uh, yeah. I, I forget, what what group does King Faraday lead again? Oh, it's Cadmus. So, I mean, yeah, shit, he's working for Cadmus and Faraday. And Faraday has a bunch of other Wildstorm characters working for him. Nice. I know a bunch of Wildstorm characters are going to appear in the last couple of issues of uh, Midnighter because I think, like, Apollo comes back. Yeah, I've heard. Stormwatch and everything. That's cool. Yeah, they basically just threw a bunch of Wildstorm characters in there. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm down for all of this. That's right on. Interesting, too, Tom Seeley had a whole tweet about where he's like, yeah, when I was writing Grifter, I wanted him to sound like Dennis Miller. So as I'm sitting there reading, I can't help but hear Grifter talking about the news in a Dennis Miller voice. <laughs> and let me tell you about these uh, Republicans. I'd say, well, hey, you know, friggin' the authority and uh, all these other groups. Hey, do you know I was on Team 7? Ain't that some bullshit? Remember that short-lived team? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that short-lived team team seven i do i vaguely vaguely team seven which was a throwback to an old wildstorm team only for some reason it had grifter deathstroke amanda waller uh it's... oh and i think steve trevor was on that team too <laughs> shit i forgot steve trevor was on a stupid team book for a second <laughs> Much like an R-rated batman v superman movie and your reaction when it came to team seven everyone was just like nope 
nope, not having any of this. We're good. You can yeah. you can just carry on, sir. <laughs> just carry on. Nope. Uh, what else did you have happening? Uh, I had Superman issue 49. Direct follow-on from the Superman Wonder Woman book. Uh, Metallo shows up uh, with Lois. And Metallo's a good guy as well. Yeah, you've been now. saying that he's been good for a while, which is interesting. Yeah, this was a really cool issue because it was sort of like his redemption. Because what happens is all the people that got infected with this, this Terrigen Mist stuff uh, started mutating and getting powers and being called to Vandal Savage. Mm. And he says, if you kill Superman, Wonder Woman, Lois Lane, and John Corbin, who are outside the ship, you'll become my children and I'll let you into my kingdom. Wicked so deal, this- let's do it. Yeah, this big war starts happening, and then Mr. Terrific with a bunch of people that Superman has met over the course of Action Comics and Superman. So the people he was part of, that super fight club, ah. uh, the uh, underground people that were in Superman Batman. Oh, God, those friggin' subterraneans, they came back? Yeah, wow. yeah, they come back, and these are all like Mr. Terrific's team, and they come and help Superman while Superman tries to get into... Vandal Shield. Uh, John Corbin is killed. Oh no! Not and Corbin. in his last moments, uh, since Kryptonite gives Superman his powers oh, now, he, he takes offers his Kryptonite heart. Yeah, he offers Superman his heart and That's says, cool. "It's a really nice couple of panels. Really, really redeems the character." He, he says that he sees Superman. Uh, Superman's heart is for everyone, and oh. his heart was only for himself. So oh. he wants his. The last thing his heart to do to be for everyone. Man, you know, I never thought as of Metallo as a character who could be redeemed, or at least even worth redeeming. But when you really stop and look at it, even like in the Superman the Animated Series when it was Malcolm McDowell doing his voice, you know, he was he was always kind of like a, a shade of gray sort of villain. Where it's like, yeah, I was a mercenary, I was in it for the money, and then they did horrible experiments on me and I was pissed. Yeah, yeah, he's suddenly he became something he didn't really want to be, and they just sort of went with it. Yeah. That's 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 cool to think he could go around, huh? I'm always a fan of that when they pick a villain and be like, you know, maybe they could be redeemed. This villain. Yeah, it was really great. Really though, in the New Fifty Two, Mattello really technically wasn't a villain. He was just this. He was kind of a douchebag military guy that got given this suit after he got uh, seriously injured, and he he's kind of obsessed with Lois Lane because mm. her her and him used to kind of date. Interesting. And so he's c- kind of jealous that she likes Superman and Clark and everything. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool though. It was a nice redemption for him. Interesting, interesting. Uh, what did I have going on this week? I, I have like three or four books that I haven't actually gotten up yet. Oh, uh, freaking here's a big one. Uh, Dark Knight Returns 3 Master Race Part 3. Yeah, I read this one as well. The most Frank Millerian feeling book <laughs> in the series so far. By God, you, you you understood when we talked about the first two issues. Everyone were like, "Yeah, you know, it doesn't feel like Miller wrote. It feels like anyone could have written it." The Miller comes fast and hard in this issue. This is how they get you. They they lure you into a false sense mm-hmm. of security, and you think, "Oh, it's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good." And then it's like, "All right, all right prostitutes and 
Superman in ice. And I like to imagine that at this point during the writing process, Brian Azzarello went up to like pee or something or like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he quickly typed out some stuff. He went to go make some coffee and then like Frank put a chair in front of the door so he couldn't get back into the room. I was like, okay, so then the evil Kryptonians who dress like Arabs create suicide bombers out of themselves and destroy whole cities. Yeah, they destroy Moscow and then they go through the, other cities. We and, bombed and... the Ruskies because I'm still mad at them. <laughs> and then and then they take all the people's phones away. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. Like, and the fucking kids today don't even know that the world's been taken <laughs> over by aliens because they're always in their goddamn my YouTube spaces. So fuck them. So Batman destroys the <laughs> internet. Yeah, Batman destroys the internet in this. Yeah, yeah. To which, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, you're right, uh, Frank. My generation is too involved with its devices and technology. But don't destroy the internet, because then I can't make money, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you don't have the internet, how are you going to promote this book? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, man, does he lay it on thick with those evil Kryptonians who are like, you you decadent Earthlings with your decadent Earth ways. And I'm like, okay, just replace Earth with America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as you said before, they literally dressed like arabs they got these long robes yeah. and like headdresses and the, everything the, the evil leader guy quar talks about my many wives yeah and i'm just like yeah here it comes here's the thing uh it is kind of cool that um in a story that is always so like defined by batman fighting superman and super or batman winning that for this issue batman and carrie keller are like okay we're not gonna be able to beat these guys on our own we better go ask superman for help yeah, that, that's why, like, yeah, as you said, it's always Superman being defeated by Batman, but yeah, hey, they're asking for his help. It's like, we really need you on this. And, oh, wow, uh, on the ever-growing list of things that Frank Miller hates and still hates after all these years, by God, does he still hate Green Lantern after all these oh years. Oh, my God. What, what I read that, I'm thinking, come on. Like, serious, come on. Come on, Frank. Frank, what is your weird hate boner against Hal Jordan? Why do you despise him so much? Uh, for people who don't know, there's the one shot for Green Lantern. And Hal comes to back to Earth and he's confronted by three Kryptonian women. The wives of Quar. And they basically beat the fuck out of him and cut his hand off. <laughs> cut his ring hand off with their heat vision. But it's even weirder and squickier than that because the women are all sitting around and they're talking about being, like, multiple wives. And then they start quoting the Quran, kind of, where it's like, oh, we need to be dominated. Women need to be dominated. Hey, Green Lantern, will you dominate us? We really want that. It's like, what the fuck? It was so weird. Like, it was uh, When I first saw it, because I saw it and I flicked over and said, oh, Green Lantern one shot. Let's see how this is. And then it just started getting weirder and weirder. They, and I'm like, no, they, no. They literally leave him bleeding in a ditch. Yeah. With a cut-off arm, they take his ring off somewhere, yep. which I'm guessing they're going to take to their husband. I assume, yeah. Yeah. What is, wow, friggin' Frank, man. Just what? <laughs> now, yeah, like, what did Hal Jordan do to him? Yeah. Like, it's like, is that a holdover from, like, when Frank Miller was, like, the rebel comic book writer and was very, like, you know, fuck the man, fuck the military-industrial complex? Does he think... That Hal Jordan represents that because he's a test pilot and, you know, he's, you know, ultra square jawed, you know, eat your Wheaties Uncle Sam guy. Yeah, hey, I, I have no idea. E even though you would think as Frank Miller gets older, his ideology has shifted to probably be more in line with like what a real Hal Jordan would think. 
At least though, like, in unlike you know Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, these women didn't you know beat him up with a wooden piece of like a yellow piece of wood or something. Yeah. You know, it, it at was, least that didn't happen. <laughs> it, it wasn't that depressing. Also, too, you know, um, as much as I might cringe at the Frank Milleriness, there's two saving graces to this issue. One, it's not as bad as Holy Terror yet. <laughs> oh god what if they involve him and like we need to get superman and the holy terror oh fucking fucking jesus christ if the, if that was the big long game of this i would be like you know what on one hand screw you but on the other hand good job here's what happened they the kryptonians set up a city in like the desert and batman has to infiltrate it and he wears like a costume that matches the sand color much oh, like god. holy terror's costume did it's, it's so the so the Krypton start up new Krypton in New Baghdad, <laughs> and Superman needs to go to carpet bomb New Baghdad because Frank Miller's writing it. But yeah, the, the one saving grace is it's not like so hand on face cringe worthy. Uh, uh, holy terror! There's still some subtlety to it. Like I mean, not like in your face subtlety, but there's still some subtlety yep. to it. The other saving grace. By God, did Kubert's art kick friggin' ass this issue. It was really good. And it was kind of like jarring because you went to the uh, Green Lantern one shot, and that was drawn by Frank Miller, I think, as well. Yeah, and it looks just so like it was his like, artwork. <laughs> yeah, so it was like all those like, really weird-looking people and everything. Mm-hmm. Weird, distended kind of freak people. Man, that bit when Superman comes out of the ice, how sick was that? Oh, that was so cool. That's a beautiful... I was sharing that image all over the place because it's just a and, beautiful and image. And I, I like how he comes out of it because they're trying to talk to him and try to get him out, but he's not listening. And then he hears Carrie say his people, and that's like what wakes him up because he mm. realizes, oh, there's more Kryptonians. And also that this is kind of my fault too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that the blood will literally be on my hands if I don't do something here. And uh, what, what was the other image I really like? Oh, Superman crying through his heat vision. Yeah, that was really cool. I was kind of hoping, though, like, since he was crying through his heat vision, there'd just be, like, all this, like, mist. Mm, I don't think like, people would like get steam it if and it was everything. just mist. True, true. I probably wouldn't have got it. But, yeah, Dark Knight Returns 3, moments of amazingness with, you know, paired with moments of total cringeworthiness. Yeah, it's greatness a, and Frank Millerist. It's a very weird ride to take. But that being said, for the first time, I'm actually like really interested in this. Where unlike the first two issues, well, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. It's all right. I w- w- would read again, probably. <laughs> like at least with this, we can actually talk about and actually have some stuff to say about it for a change, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. It's just not. Ah, oh, it happened. It's gone. Yeah. I'm not gonna get talked about again anymore. This yeah. was probably be talked about for a little bit. Yeah, this like this one actually has some legs to it. Even though I think the massive break in between kind of hurt it because not nearly enough people were talking about. It. Like I assumed the bit that we were saying, like hey, you know, Middle Eastern super people turning each other into suicide bombs. I assumed that would be picked up by somewhere and there'd be articles about it. No. Mm. Well, it's the same as like when it started, like. The weeks leading up to when the first issue dropped, everyone's like, oh, it's coming back, it's coming back. It, like, came back, and everyone's like, yeah. And then no one talked about it. Then again, you know, this could be just a bunch of people who are kind of, like, used to Frank Miller's stuff. Now it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'd be surprised if this wasn't in a Frank Miller book. Yeah, true. They've come to accept that it's going to happen. It's not shocking to us anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, what else did you have happening this week, Matt? Uh, Superman, Lois, and Clark, issue five. 
really cool book. Uh, Superman, uh, the pre-Flashpoint Superman, almost tells New 52 Batman who he is. That's right, he did. I read this one as well. That was that was interesting, but then he thought to himself, well, this is a new Batman with new problems, and I shouldn't put it on him. Yeah, and I, li- I like that part as well, where Batman's sort of fighting these ninjas, and then it, it's there's like an over-narration by Superman, how he's saying this is Batman who's still young, and mm-hmm. he's just about to be hit in the head by an arrow, so Superman has to save him. There's and there's a nice bit of really cool. there's a nice bit of meta-ness from Lois as well where it's like well isn't he just like your Batman he's like yeah, a little bit maybe a little faster now because he's younger yeah <laughs> basically saying um, that Batman barely got rebooted at all in the new Fifty Two <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah this was I guess the end of the whole Blank storyline mm-hmm. uh, they he managed to lock up Blank after they have a fight with him in the Fortress of Solitude. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was really cool about that was when, when he locked Blank up, you see all these other villains. and But they're not villains. They're just no. people that don't fit in. Yeah, and they all have issues. And he's looking for a new place for them, which is something Superman would do. He he doesn't try and hurt or kill his villains. He tries to help them. It's a, it's a nice kind of callback to, like, Superman and his zoo for, like, you know, animals who are the last of their kind. Like, he's taking care of people who can't live anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, and he's trying to find them a planet or a place or a dimension or something where they can live happily. I liked it that there's this one energy ghost woman and then another guy who's basically a freaking yeti. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. You, you, cool. You wondered where Bigfoot was? Superman's taking care of Bigfoot, that's where. <laughs> he, he, was, he was busy getting in people's pictures all blurry and everything. And <laughs> It's like he goes out to pee in the morning and that's when people snap those pictures of him and Superman's like, you gotta stop doing that, man. Oh, I can't, I can't help <laughs> the it. The blur is Superman moving in front of him. Oh, there you That's This makes too much sense now. <laughs> that's literally perfect. <laughs> uh... But uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool issue, and I guess Jonathan, his son, has sort of found out he might be Superman. Or <laughs> Some kids, some... when digging through their parents' stuff, find porn mags and shit. When he's digging through <laughs> Superman stuff, he finds his costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just like, I think it was the shirt that Lois bought in Metropolis yeah, years yeah. prior, but I think he is going to sort of put two and two together. Yeah, he's not a dumb so, like, kid, Hey, John. my dad's Superman. I appreciate that John is not a dumb kid, as they've shown, and that his parents have tried really hard to lie to him, but it's not working. <laughs> Yeah, I I actually noticed something really cool about it. and I actually went back and checked the other issues, but, like, he's collecting, like, leaflets and, like, newspaper clippings about this mysterious person saving people. Mm-hmm. And what I found really interesting about that is his parents have obviously cut them out for him because they've cut out all the photos ah. and, like, who writes the articles and whatnot. <laughs> so, so not to make him sort of, hey, this person has the same name as my mother and well she, you know. she's ghost writing is the thing she's uh she's she's writer x or whatever but yeah he would probably put two and two together yeah. at that point yeah and they're like pictures of lois lane or clark kent or anything he doesn't have any of them because he'd probably say hey that guy looks like a younger version of my dad yeah really i never considered that you're right he's like hey that looks like you dad only you know without the beard and a couple years younger <laughs> yeah Man, it would be hard to lie to your kid for that long to keep up that charade. Because <laughs> you've got to figure how omnipresent is Superman in that world. Yeah, well, they, yeah, as I said, they're, like, writing articles about, like, he, him becoming Clark Kent. Like, they found out his secret identity and everything, and they've cut all of the parts out of that as well. And they've got to really keep an eye on him. He's got his own, like, phone as well, and he's, like, mm. watching 
Superman and everything. So yeah, it would be like trying to keep your kids from the Kardashians. You just can't do it. One way <laughs> or the other, the Kardashians are gonna get them. Yep. <laughs> One way or another. But yeah, we can agree that's that that's a great book. That's a great issue. Yeah. Uh, what else did I have going on? Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Uh, oh, uh, new all new all different Avengers. That was a book mm-hmm. that happened. Eh, kind of a lackluster conclusion to this, you know, Vision betrayed them storyline. Uh, it was Kang who did it. <laughs> it was Kang behind, but not really Kang. This was a Kang who I assume broke off across time from original Kang after he got defeated in Inhumans. Yeah, no, well, Kang, yeah, is dead at the moment. Yeah, but this this new guy they're fighting who calls yeah. himself Mr. Griffin, and all I can think is Peter Griffin. <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, apparently he's like a chronal break-off of Kang, and his deal is is that while he can survive in the present, he can't chronal shift himself back to the future where he has an empire and where all his shit is. He can, however, bring people and things backwards and forward. Oh, okay, then. So this whole plot to destroy the Avengers and, you know, make them to distrust each other and fight each other is so he could get a hold of Thor's hammer so he could use Thor's hammer to help charge him so he could travel back to the future. Oh, okay, then. Yeah. And and they beat him, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, it was cool and everything. It's just, you know, it's all right. I mean, there was a pretty awesome bit where Thor grabs one of her hammers from the future and her hammer from the present and just smacks them together really loud and that, like, banishes uh, Kang. Oh, that's cool. And then they have, like, a really time-traveling, almost Doctor Who conversation where it's like, no, 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 you got to leave the hammer here, though, so you can find it in the future. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, yeah. It's it's it was a very weird finale because it got very time travely, very Doctor Who, of which I know Mark Wade is a huge fan. Oh, that's cool. So he totally Doctor Who'd it up at the end there. Nice, nice. Yeah. So uh, so that so that was that one. Cool. Uh, I had Hercules issue four. Oh, I was gonna read that and then I got sad because I remembered it's coming to an end. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got sad as well, and I said that in my review. Uh, but goddamn, it was a good book. What a, um, what a great book that they let die way too soon. Yeah, we found out this issue uh, a bit more about the storm, and we found out that it's basically these new gods that are going to take over from the old ones. Oh, so Jack Kirby's new gods is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong universe. Yeah, George. Orion and Calabac and all that are here. And <laughs> and friggin' all the lame ones no one remembers. Yep. Um, but yeah, they, they're going to take over and... It, the way that Dan Abnett wrote these new gods is totally cool because they're like modern uh, metrosexual people. Oh. There's like the leader. I, I can't say their names because their names are absolutely unpronounceable. Of course. Um, but he speaks in like uh, like internet jargon, like lol and till oh. dr and everything. As, as they would, you figure new gods, they would be the gods of everything modern. That makes a lot of sense. He wears like a suit that's just like the suit jacket and like, a v-neck of uh, he's, he's got like multicolored hair so, he, <laughs> oh, so he's max landis uh, you beat me too i was gonna say so he's max landis he's a rich hollywood kid <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty much and they, they, they hang out not on olympus they hang out at the local starbucks drinking free trade <laughs> and they really want you to read their new screenplay and you're like no nah, i'm good <laughs> and then they get really mad at you and <laughs> And then they write nasty tweets about you, and then they Instagram them writing their tweets. <laughs> Man, these new gods I, are weird. Yeah, these new gods are—they—they they seem pretty cool. I'm interested to see. I hope, 
I hope that this arc actually gets to finish before it gets be nice. canned. Um, because I'm really interested to see what happens with Hercules and Gilgamesh and all those characters. They're so such cool characters and everything. They are. They really. They really are. Man, what? How sad to see that book go. Um, another interesting book I read this week was uh, Suicide Squad: Most Wanted, Deadshot, Katana. Which obviously I completely skipped over the Katana story because I didn't give a crap about it. <laughs> but w- weirdly enough, the Katana story was the backup in the first issue, but now it comes first in this second issue. Is that how they're going to be planning? Is like the third issue going to be like the reverse? Oh, I hope that. That's really annoying. Keep it the same, guys. <laughs> Keep it the freaking same. Don't 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 get fancy on us. Don't get fancy. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the, the Deadshot story was kind of amazing because remember how I filled you in the last time about how how many different origins he's had. Yep. I know, oh, he's been rich, he's been poor, you know, he killed his father on purpose, he killed his brother, you know, by accident, you know, while trying to shoot his father, and his parents were really abusive. Yeah, all of that gets stuffed into one issue here. Oh my god. So his entire old 52 origin, they get out of the way in one issue, and now it's all in here. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, by god, they did his entire Old 52 issue, where the, or his whole entire Old 52 origin, where the hell are they going to go from here? Literally on the last page, he passes a picture of his daughter and goes, go, my daughter. I'm like, ah, now she's in here too. <laughs> so that's literally everything. So Floyd Lawton Deadshot is now just Old 52 Deadshot now. <laughs> but at least they wrote a story explaining how he went back. Uh... <laughs> And it was a fun story. So now he's got to go find his daughter, and Amanda Waller's like, ooh, I could blow his head up, or I could send the whole Suicide Squad after him. I'm going to send the whole Suicide Squad after him. <laughs> yeah, because that makes more issues. Blowing up his head doesn't. Yeah, and then it gets even weirder, because at the end of the Katana story, Deadshot and the Suicide Squad show up there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you actually put these two books together for a reason. All right. And the funny thing is, is that that version of the Suicide Squad in Katana... Enchantress is on the team. Oh. Because because the movie. Yeah. And then, like, two losers from the Masters of Disaster that I'm sure no one could even name, like, uh, Cold Snap and Heat Stroke. <laughs> Towards, like, wow, uh, you're the guys that Heat Wave and Captain Cold think are lame. <laughs> <laughs> so they got them, and then the Suicide Squad that's going after Deadshot and his book are just all the characters from the movie. Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, uh, El Diablo. No Killer Croc, yeah. though. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Killer Croc ends up on the team before it's all over. Cheetah is basically filling Killer Croc's shoes in that team now. Oh, yeah, she'll get her head blown up or something, and he'll, have, he'll be, like, called in from the wings. Which is fine, though, because Killer Croc ain't doing anything in the Batman universe. In fact, I long before they put him in the movie, I had been pitching Killer Croc for the Suicide Squad for a while. Yeah, he's a pretty cool character. He's a cool character. He's got the Batman connection. He's good muscle. He can be weirdly sympathetic when you want to write him that way. Yep. Especially New 52 Killer Croc when they've made him more and more sympathetic and made him much less of a villain. What what is his origin in that? Is is it still like a skin condition? Yeah, he has. He was a black kid from the south with a bad skin condition who got sold into the circus and eventually, after years of abuse, turned to a life of crime. Oh, nice. Just you know, just never as hardcore villainy. He got Roy Harper off booze, which is really stupid. <laughs> and, and then he gave him a trucker cap, and then he wore that trucker cap forever. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the one responsible. Dun, dun. That was the most evil thing he did, was give Roy Harper that stupid trucker cap. Uh, 
uh, we missed a paddle out where it, where like Killer Croc goes into a alleyway and like rips off a mask and it's like Steve Trevor. <laughs> it was me all along. It was the most interesting thing I've ever done. <laughs> it was me. Uh, but yeah, so that was an interesting book. Um, here I'll just lightning around the ones I have left because they're all smaller ones. All new X Men. Uh, oh no, Angel and X twenty three broke up. How terrible. <laughs> Also, everyone fights the Blob. Uh, oh, nice. Batman and Robin Eternal, number 21, the origins of Mother, the villain they've been fighting this whole time, and also a pretty good and decent reason why Batman never took Harper Road to be a sidekick, even though she was literally uh, primed for it. Yep. That was, uh, that was a fun one. That, that book's going to be coming to an end very soon, and I can't wait because I think it's been probably one of the most consistently good Batman stories in a really long time. Cool, cool. Uh, Silk was fun. Astonishing Ant-Man was cool. It was Ant-Man training the new Giant-Man. Oh, nice. Who's the new Giant-Man? Uh, a Middle Eastern IT guy named Raz, who Scott Lang gave the suit. Because, like, he's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> he, he helped me out of a jam one time. He's pretty cool. That's how villains get made. You just, this is a villain. Oh, I'm a nice, cool guy. Oh, here, have this Ant-Man suit that's, yeah, really. you know, got limitless possibilities. Well, it's funny because the, the issue opens up with Janet, the Wasp, cursing him out, being like, why the fuck did you give the giant man costume away, you piece of shit? And he's like, "What? I, it's like this guy helped me out, and uh, Hank in the annual. I didn't think he'd, uh, I didn't think he'd be that bad. I mean, he can't be any worse than me, right?" And then Janet's like, "Look, he screwed up, and he destroyed the Golden Gate Bridge by accident while trying to chase a bad guy. <laughs> you, you, you got to go to San Francisco, and you got to train this guy, you idiot. So that's what he does." <laughs> and he's lying to him the whole time. He's like, well, Raz, I'm going to tell you what Stick told me when I trained with him. And his internal model, I never trained with Stick. I never even met Stick. I barely know who or what Stick is. Oh, uh, that's great. But I'm telling him because it's what he needs to hear. And uh, I, I guess finally, I don't know if you read it either, but Karnak issue number two. I didn't read it. I actually forgot about it. Yeah, Karnak, after a five-month wait, Karnak came back. What was it like? It was pretty good. Pretty good. It was pretty good. I mean, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. You know, they I, I caught a lot of hell for it because uh, in the beginning we get a flashback of Karnak as a kid and his parents not wanting him to go through Terragenesis mm-hmm. because it turned his brother into a weird fish guy who couldn't live outside the water. Mm-hmm. To where I'm like, oh, so does that mean Karnak was never an inhuman and that he's gotten these amazing skills just by you know training and studying and everything? Only for people who are way more informed and way more hardcore uh, inhumans fans to come back and say, no, 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 we always knew that. We always knew he never went through Terragenesis. No, I can't. He's an inhuman, yes, but he's never gone through Terragenesis. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was kind of wondering, maybe. You'll go through it in the book or that's, something? That's what I'm thinking they're building up to. And it, it's funny. I, I had a nice little bull session with my fans, too. Because the end of the comic was really weird. Because it's like he goes to a bar and he orders a glass of water and he just kind of sits there. And I'm like, what the fuck are they trying to say here? And it was great because in the comments section, everyone was chiming in with their two cents of what they thought it meant. And I'm like, yeah, actually, that's really good. I like these. Yeah. People, people who actually had some good insight into what they thought it would mean. I, I would say give it a look. I mean, geez, we, we really liked the first issue. We might as well give the second one a shot. Yeah, yeah. Even though I think, you know, enthusiasm for the book has definitely waned in the five-month wait. Yeah, well, that's, that's what happens when you hold back a book for half a year. You know, Karnak, for a character who was able to find the weakness in all things, can you find the weakness in this series? <laughs> 
Actually, he started basically psychologically profiling a guy and being like, oh, yeah, I can find the weakness in your character is the thing. I can find the weakness in, like, what is wrong with you as a person. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a nice touch. Yeah. So uh, what else did you have? I kind of lightning round everything I had left. Uh, last book I had was Kanan issue 11. Oh, I read that, too. Pretty cool book. Pretty cool Pretty book. Cool. Again, another action-heavy one, Kanan versus uh, that Separatist guy and Billaba versus uh, Grievous. Yeah, that was a pretty cool fight. I like that. I like when Grievous fights. I think he's pretty cool with his lawnmower arms. Mm-hmm. His silly, silly lawnmower. I like that they're keeping up with the Clone Wars characterization of Grievous, yeah. and that is that he's a giant coward and will leave the second the battle stops going his way. Yeah, and it's even better because they reference stuff from the Clone Wars TV series because uh, Depper fought him in the Clone Wars series oh. before before this book. Cool. Uh, so And they reference that, like, he says something like, she's not going to escape this time or right. something. Yeah, I wondered what that was. And I'm like, did, did they fight before and I missed it or what? Yeah, that, that's what that I really like because it's sort of bridging the gap between the two series, between Clone Wars and Rebels. They do a good job with that. And a lot of this issue, too, is Kanan dealing with death for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of his friends died. Yeah, and he and he kind of took a life too without really trying. Yeah, yeah. I, as I sort of said in my review, that wasn't really his fault. It was kind of the guy, you know, the, the guy kind of suicide bombed himself. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, he lit himself on fire and ran at the kid. <laughs> he basically turned himself into a Roman candle. You can't hold yourself responsible for a Roman candle, man. No. Yeah, pretty cool. And I think that was the end of the Mygito arc. Yes, yes, it was. That was the last one. And we know yeah. that because we actually flashed forward to the present again and uh, Kanan beating up a bunch of dudes with his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're going to, like, keep doing flashbacks or if they're going to do, like, more present-day stories. Because, like, where else can they go? Honestly, they traveled way to the past of him first joining Billaba. They talked about his first big mission. Where, where are they going to go? I don't know. I, I think that that's the problem because they he they're in a TV series at the moment, so you can't really start cannibalizing storylines. Yeah, and have things set in that timeline because then you go like, oh, they're referencing stuff that's just happened on the TV show, but the TV show isn't referencing Bad, stuff yeah. that happened in the comic book, and and also oh, it took place between these episodes. And, and also, the book is called Kanan: The Last Padawan, not Star Wars Rebels, not Kanan and the Crew of the Ghost. So I mean, they have to be Kanan centric stories. I think it'll mainly just be about his last days in because his. I said this in my book. He's sort of just been dropped into this war without being trained or yeah. anything, and uh, I it was a nice sort of mirror of like the Anakin Obi Wan sort of relationship because they had time to train up before the war started. Yeah, so when yeah. the Clone Wars started, they were both pretty much Jedi Knights and everything. Whereas Kanan's still a little kid who's just been shoved into this war and witnessing people getting blown up and everything. And so they could go that route and sort of deal with that effect on a kid. It would be interesting. Also too, I would be fine if they just wanted to do like, you know, Kanan kind of takes off on his own side mission and, you know, leaves the ghost guys behind while he deals with something. Cause there was that guy, uh, Cleave or whatever his name was, who set him up yep. before I imagine we'll continue to see him chase after Cleave. Yeah, and he isn't going to be appearing in the TV show, at least right. not in season two. So he's probably dead by that point. So mm. Kane, yeah, probably will go after him, sort of like a revenge mission or that something. That would be interesting. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, how good was Clone Wars this week? Uh, the honorable ones with Zeb and Agent Callus. 
That was so good. That final shot of Callus returning to the ship and no one even caring that he was gone, that that was a great... That reminded me of like some of the best Batman the Animated Series endings. I know, it, it, yeah, it's like people don't realize that they, they think like the Empire is like this big evil organization. Everyone's like evil, whoever joins it. But really, they're just like people who are just doing a job. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's, and, what's the over-under you think that uh, Callus might actually jump ship to the good team now? I think he he either will or he it'll it'll still be with him for a little bit and he'll be like um and ahhing about it and so it'll it, it's made, making him question the empire at the moment anyway. Like, like he might remain conflicted. Like the next time they fight, he might hold his punches. Yeah, yeah. Like not send as many troops out after them or something. Or you know maybe or... maybe he'll do what the governor woman did in the first season. Maybe he'll start passing uh start passing information off to them. Yeah, like warning them, forewarning them to the rebels. Which that would be really interesting. Uh, agent Callus, the double agent. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That would be really be interesting because cool. you know, obviously, you know, that could be a whole arc there. You know, you know, follow some double agents. You know, uh, rebels who are passing information off to the Empire and Imperial guys who are passing information off to the rebels. That would be interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, they could even like like the Ghost Crew could find that there's a rebel who is passing information to the Imperials and. Like Callus has to stop. Ze- yeah, Zeb goes to Callus and sort of asks him to sort of help him. That would be cool. I would like that. Rebels is cool. Yeah. Man, don't you love that we're so many episodes deep into the second half of season two of Rebels and there's been no Jedi centric stories yet, and they've all been great stories. This week is a Jedi centric story. That's right. It's really the guys in white, to... right? We're gonna get to see them. Yeah, the Temple Guard. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's who those guys were. I wondered. Yeah, they're the Temple Guard living in some weird samurai castle <laughs> yeah it looks really cool and i'm all down for that so uh, i guess if that's everything we read this week i can uh, hop into what people can expect to read today as this uh, show goes up yep okay so for those interested this week you got uh, hmm, uh you got green lantern number 50 yep cool which will be interesting god <laughs> oh man omega man is still going on <laughs> uh, you got Midnighter number ten. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh. Uh, well, it's gonna be good. <laughs> one, one, one less issue before it's canceled. They're probably gonna go with a bang. Man, is that really all that's out for DC this week? Man, there is not really? much out for DC this week. Oh wow. <laughs> there's Batman and Robin Eternal number twenty-two, but that's a given. Oh, there's Batman Beyond number ten. You can read all about that. Oh wow. Yeah, I know. Oh, gee. Batgirl number four now, which I've totally dropped at this point. Uh, what else do we got going on? Uh, we'll probably have more on the Marvel side. Uh, okay, we got A-Force number three, uh, all new, all... Di- oh, that's a second printing, sorry. Um, oh, Avengers Stand-Up Assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha number one. Oh, wow, that's already out? That's Well, it's, it's coming out this week, yeah, or it's coming out today as people listen to this. It's funny, uh, apparently the last uh, issue of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a tie-in to the, uh, really? yeah, to the standoff thing, but I couldn't get a hold of a copy. Really? Yeah, my store my store didn't have them because no one was buying them. Oh, wow, that sucks. So they just stopped ordering Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm like, fuck, the one I genuinely wanted to read. <laughs> uh, you got Black Widow number one, the brand new one from uh, Mark Wade and Chris Sammy. Oh, if it's Mark Wade, I'm definitely going to be reading that. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's doing Black Widow, there must be something there, a story he really wants to tell, so I'm all for that. Uh, Deadpool number eight, Darth Vader number 17. Nice. Uh, what else we got going on? Uh, Extraordinary X-Men number six. We're getting closer and closer to Apocalypse War. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Invincible Iron Man issue number seven. Ooh. Uh, Old Man Logan number three. Ooh, nice. Spider Man number two. That's the Miles Morales one. Uncanny Avengers number six. Uh, Uncanny. Oh no, that's a second printing. Crap. And uh, Uncanny X Men number four this week. That's so. It's a lighter week this week. Yeah, pretty light week. Yeah, shit. Uh, that you know what that means. That means I'm gonna have to plan some other videos. <laughs> <laughs> well i think my comic bento box will be coming this week at some point so people can expect that from me i want to get back to cape kitchen and do some stuff i have an idea for an aquaman related recipe i really want to make are you just gonna like cook some like chicken fingers make some chi- and, like, fish fingers or something <laughs> it's aquaman's favorite fish sticks <laughs> no my, my recipe actually does involve a little work but yes there is fish involved salmon in fact and it's 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 a dish i talk about quite a bit and it's a dish i've made quite a lot cool cool and i'm gonna try and get all the colors right so it's all the colors of aquaman <laughs> oh nice is what i'm gonna do so uh look forward to that also I, I got some drink recipes coming too i ordered some stuff from 80s tea it's a special superman themed drink that i think you'll like nice what is it like alcohol or pardon you can add alcohol to it do you want it oh you've got to add alcohol to it i'll I'll spoil this it's a type of punch if you want to make it for people you like add booze if you want to add stuff for people you hate add bleach (laughs) just add more booze it's the jim jones special is what you see (laughs) you just add some bleach to it Oh God! So uh, yeah, that, I guess that'll do it for the comic multiverse this week, everyone. It's a it's been a humdinger of a show, hasn't it? It has been almost two hours. You Jesus, got a big one this week, Jesus people. man. We 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 hit all we hit like all the regular stops on this podcast train. We shat on Steve Trevor a little bit. We made fun of the insanity of Frank Miller. Yeah, we uh, we didn't say fuck Hawkman, so fuck Hawkman. Yeah, friggin' hot. What's wrong with you, Hawkman? So I actually watched Starcross tonight, that Justice League three-parter where, you know, you meet the rest of the Thanagarians. You're not even in that episode, Hawkman. <laughs> they had one chance to do you, and they didn't do you. They invented a whole new Hawkman because you were too complicated to explain. That's like he was in Injustice recently, and he come to Earth trying to look for Hawkgirl, and Wonder Woman told him to fuck back off to Thanagarian, like kicked his ass and then told him to fuck off. Fuck back on off to that Hawk world, man. It got no bird seed here for you. <laughs> Go go get your seed somewhere else, son. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite. Check Matt out on social media. Check me out on social media. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe Matt over on Fortress of Solitude. And for more comic book videos, be sure to keep your eyes peeled here to Cape Jewel. I was trying to hold in a burp there, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> like, must get through thing. Uh, any parting words from you, Matt? Uh, yeah. Go check out my channel, check out Joe's stuff, and yeah, have a good one. Yeah, we'll, we'll join you next.